0: You're listening to Business in Vancouver's Women in Business podcast series, brought to you by UBC Sauter School of Business. Over four weeks, we're highlighting four women and four exemplary stories of leadership. Every week, I explore a wide range of topics with a new guest. Throughout the series, we'll cover female leadership, how to lead in politics, the fallout from Me Too, economic reconciliation, and how successful women manage risk. I'm Haley Wooden. I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: McLean's magazine named UBC Solder the number one business school in Canada for 2018. But UBC Solder is about more than just accolades. As a student, you'll learn how to make a difference, not only in your career, but in the broader community. That's what true leadership is all about. To learn more, visit solderchallenge.ca.
0: Catherine Warren's career spans a wide range of sectors and has taken her around the world. She has a degree in physics and a master's of journalism from Columbia. She's helped take a broadcast tech company public on the NASDAQ. She founded FanTrust, a company that has influenced the digital media strategies of organizations including Microsoft, Nokia, and HP. She's an Emmy judge and a longstanding executive board director of the United Nations flagship program, World Summit Awards for Digital Media. Until relatively recently, she served as the CEO for the Great Northern Way Campus and the Center for Digital Media. And today, she is the CEO of the Vancouver Economic Commission, a nonprofit agency that helps the city's economic development. Catherine, thank you so much much for coming on the show. I am so happy
1: to talk to you.
0: I imagine in many ways, looking at your diverse background and experiences, you almost have a foot in all the key industries that are very relevant to Vancouver.
1: That is so true. I mean, in a lot of ways, um, this role as CEO of Vancouver Economic Commission is a calling as much as it is a career choice. Mm -hmm. And... um, Uh, You know, when you think about the role of economic development, it captures business development, social development, and here in our city, technology and creativity. So it's really the uh, peanut butter and chocolate dream job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And beyond just general economic development, what really appeals to you about the work you're going to be undertaking?
1: Well, um, so much so. First of all, um, the storied tradition of VEC here in Vancouver, how it's, um, you know, it was founded in the late nineties by some very pioneering business leaders that felt very strongly about, um, the need for kind of vanguard economic development. What that means in the case of Vancouver specifically is that we look at, um, new and emerging sectors of our economy so we can kind of future proof jobs, um, create opportunities for young people, and build and strengthen our core sectors. So um, for us in um, this year, in 2019, um, at VEC, that means the green economy, the digital economy, uh, high tech, and then a geographic focus on Asia Pacific.
0: How much of economic development is tied to telling a good, compelling story? Uh
1: you know, to ask many people, the answer would be a hundred percent. And um again, kind of going back to the founders of VEC, they really felt that there was a need to um strengthen the understanding of and appreciation for economic development, kind of build dev literacy in Vancouver and in the province, and so much of that. Is, comes down to storytelling. But um, at VEC, of course, we also believe in the power of research and great uh, statistics to help tell those stories.
0: You got to back it up.
1: You got to back <laughs> it up. You're so right. And um, uh, it, a- economic development is a competitive field. Um, we're not just competing with other cities in Canada, but we're competing with the great Cities around the world that share some of our values. So, um, you know, London, Copenhagen, New York, Portland, and uh, we have to back that up in our own way with Vancouver's values and Vancouver's stats.
0: You mentioned digital media as a focus priority for the VEC. And of course, we have a new super cluster. We have organizations like DigiBC and a lot of digital media talent in the city and in the region. Where do you think our position is now in terms of the global industry and what's the potential you see? Um, well, we
1: have uh, so much bench strength, and I'm glad you brought up DigiBC, where I also <laughs> serve on, on the board. Um, you know, in terms of creative digital media and creative technologies where we're uh, really superior, we're, um, you know, for example, number one in the world for animation and visual effects. Um, we're an, a number three production center in North America for film and television. Um, and then we've got emerging clusters like Uh, virtual and augmented and mixed reality.
0: It's an exciting time, I think, to be in this space.
1: It is. It is an exciting time. It's an exciting time for young people. It's also an exciting time for um, others who just want to kind of refresh and um, take on new aspirations for their careers and transition.
0: You've led companies tied to this space. You have an educational background in journalism and storytelling and tied to digital journalism as well. When do you think you really realized that this is going to be big? There's going to be a lot of unique opportunities in this field.
1: Well, that that goes back quite some time. So um, I know you mentioned in the nice intro that you did that I was a graduate student at Columbia University. And um, that was in the... Um, mid-80s. And I chose to do my thesis on an emerging field called digital media, which at the time was um, considered uh, both a non-story and far too radical for the administration. So I had to really fight to tell this story. And I ended up doing the original research at MIT. And I think That's where I got, um, you know, a first-hand look at the power of what happens when scientists, technologists, and artists, and creators come together to work on something totally new. And um, I just uh, found that I got, you know, so excited about this. It was a very easy story to tell. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, turned out to be um, uh, the biggest story of the second half of the century, really, the story of digital media. Um, and so, you know, for me, um, having had that experience with the original Pioneers, um, I, I, I then kind of developed a taste for startup culture and creative culture. And I think the sky's the limit in terms of where Vancouver can go in
0: this area because we have all of that here. This is our story now. Would you have considered yourself – Particularly entrepreneurial before getting that taste, as you put it.
1: Well, um, I was I was pretty young, so I was twenty one. So I don't know if I was, uh, you know, a child entrepreneur. But I I feel like um, I came from a family of entrepreneurs, both my father and mother. And um, uh, my mother still is an entrepreneur. In fact, and a role model, um, and and uh, runs her own business to this day. Um, also in digital media, um, inside information. <laughs> and and so having grown up with that kind of risk-taking um, family, um, I guess you could say it was like bread in the bone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm glad you brought up risks because a, a lot of leaders, a lot of people we've had on our various shows and in our print publications, they talk about risk and how you need to be able to take calculated risks. How do you evaluate Perceived risks and make those kinds of decisions.
1: Um, well, it, a lot of it depends on um, kind of the structure that I'm operating in. So, what is the risk tolerance of the organization that I'm leading? Um, you know, how do my board or shareholders feel about risk? Um, I, I personally have a very high risk tolerance, and um, so. Um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like uh, everyone would share that. So I, I you know, I'm taking risks um, in business at least as a representative of something much bigger. Um, and then um, in terms of how I would evaluate them, uh, well, I guess I'd look at them in terms of um, uh, typical things like what are the social risks, the financial risks. Um, in many cases, the environmental risks of taking something on? And then what kind of return could we expect, uh, you know, the ROI?
0: Did you consider it a risk to do your master's research on an emerging industry that you said maybe wasn't really taken seriously at the time?
1: Um, you know, I don't think I saw it as a risk. I, I At the time, I saw it as a challenge. Um, looking back, it might have been a bit risky because um, – you know it took a lot longer for digital media to take off than I thought when I first witnessed it. I, I you know sometimes I look back now and and think, um, uh, you know it's just it's hard to believe that uh, something that was had so much promise so early on actually took this long to become mainstream. Um, and it's really only in the past few years with like supporting technologies like high speed connectivity. That a lot of those dreams have been able to come true and move from, let's say, research into business.
0: Did the fact that it maybe took longer than expected ever waver your confidence or your expectations about what might happen?
1: Um not really. I think um, you know, I had a lot of support from other risk takers, um, venture capitalists, um, scientists, technologists, creators who were kind of joining on the risk journey. Um and uh, I think when you find your people, um, it's, it's easier to take
0: risks together. How do you know when you find your people?
1: Um, well, you get into a, a really great shorthand, a way of sharing ideas. Things seem very transparent and seamless. And um, it kind of takes the work out of the work.
0: A recent UBC Solder study indicated women directors negotiate better deals and mergers and acquisitions. What will you achieve in business? Time to unlock your potential at UBC Solder. The UBC MBA offers many career tracks along with scholarships just for women. To learn more and apply, visit SolderChallenge.ca. I want to ask you, too, you have been talking about your experience at Columbia and in digital media, but of course, I mentioned at the top, you have a degree in physics. So, has a scientific background, and then you've been very much in technology and arts in the intersection of both. How do you bridge that gap? How does one go from science into the field you're in now? Mm-hmm. Well, um,
1: for me, it was actually very straightforward. So I went from, um, physics to science journalism specifically. Um, but, but just going back to physics, I was really fortunate to have a fantastic physics teacher at Point Grey High School, where I went to high school. And then I, I got my degree in uh, Cascadia at Reed College in Portland, Oregon, where I had fantastic physics professors. Um, and, and so from, From them, I kind of got a joy for experimentation and also the confidence, I think, that comes from doing something that's just really, really difficult, objectively difficult. And so, um, you know, for me, it's helped me face other challenges.
0: So soft skills you learned in a degree that seems totally unrelated to what you're doing, it still transfers. Yes, it very much does.
1: And I'm happy to say I helped uh, my 16-year-old solve a physics problem last night.
0: <laughs> you, you remember, that's, I think, perhaps the most impressive thing. There you go. Uh, looking at your experiences in entrepreneurship and business development, you've co-founded and founded companies. What were some of your greatest challenges as a leader? Um,
1: well, certainly uh, raising money has always been a challenge. Um, uh, but it's something that I've uh, got confidence around and I've been good at over the years, Um, but it doesn't get easier. So every time you go out to um, get backing for something, uh, to raise capital, to bring in strategic partners, you're telling your story again. And, um, uh, you know, while the mechanism of raising money doesn't change that much from deal to deal... Um, it's always difficult. You're dealing with new people. They have um, new ways of um, challenging you. Um, and you always want to bring um, a freshness to it. Um, so even though it might be a business that you're extremely into the weeds in, Um, You have to remember that the people that you're speaking to don't know as much about it as you do. And I think the same holds true for economic development. Um, It's not maybe a field that's as well understood in Vancouver as it is in um, older cities or more mature cities. So, um, you know, I, I think we face that challenge as well at the Economic Commission.
0: What skills do you think are most valuable to work in economic development? Um. Well,
1: economic development, it can be quite broad. So if you work on the foreign direct investment side um, or the capital attraction side, you'd have to have fantastic listening skills, salesmanship, um, pitch development, packaging. Um, if you're working at, at the sector level, say um, in um, industrial lands or working with small and medium-sized local businesses, um, the skills that you want there would be more around um, coaching, uh, building out capacity for trade, understanding how to navigate um, cities, um, that that kind of hyper-local knowledge and skill set.
0: You mentioned maybe Vancouver being newer; it's not as familiar with the concept of economic development. Do you think that we're starting to wrap our heads and minds around the need for economic development and reaching out to partners around the world and fostering trade and other forms of development?
1: I really do, and I've seen a sea change, um, even with the new city council and looking at their priorities. I'm very happy to see economic development is right up there in the top five, um, uh, and I. And I, you know, I feel like local businesses truly understand the importance of building out international markets. And we've seen, um, you know, very simple uh, transitions happen with um, selling online to open up um, access to trade in new ways. So it's easier for small and medium sized businesses to um, think globally and attract um, global investment as well.
0: I've heard this from other people in the field, and it's that sometimes Canadians, you need a little bit of a push. We can be very humble, we're very entrepreneurial, and we have a lot of brilliant ideas in Canada. What's your take on that? So, so agree.
1: So, um, <laughs> you know, you you mentioned in my brief bio that I've lived and worked elsewhere. So, um, you know, I've lived and worked in Texas, I've lived and worked in New York, I've lived and worked in these very brash places. Um, And uh, where where I'd say, you know, their philosophy might be, uh, you know, sell first, build later. And Canada is very much a building culture and maybe less about the marketing and and selling. And so, um, you know... In a lot of ways, um, we've been like quiet leaders, and I think now we have so much to be confident about in terms of our economic strengths, Um, a country that supports and believes in the rule of law, that has great immigration policies, that has a thriving um, economy, that we're going to, um, you know, maybe amp up our salesmanship just out of
0: natural (laughs) pride maybe we'll get there. It seems that, and I know that I'm sure there are people, and even I feel it a little bit, you cringe a little at the idea of maybe tooting your own horn a bit too loudly, but it's at some point in time necessary to do that.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and um, you know, you mentioned like kind of comes down to story. The story we're telling as Vancouver is is so great. Like we're selling this $32 billion brand to um, like-minded companies around the world that might want to join us and help um, grow out this part of the West in a way that's equitable, sustainable, um, and that supports local interests and values. So, I think starting with that as um, the pitch, and then you know what people already know about our city is so um, uh, you know well well received and well regarded and um, that it it makes that
0: selling a bit easier. Hmm. Your experiences in other parts of the world like Texas for example, has that changed ha- your own leadership style? I learned so much
1: working in Texas. It's
0: yeah, it really it really did change
1: my leadership style. I had a um a very uh, interesting female CEO um, I was working there in publishing, publishing computer magazines. Uh, it was the early days of desktop publishing, and uh, so we were doing a lot of pioneering things. Not only what we covered, which was very novel, um, you know, the growth of um, desktop Um, computing. But the way we did our publishing was really innovative. And she had run a prison in Texas. That had been her career before she started her publishing company. And the stories she told about the battles she had to fight and um, the high risk, kind of high cost of every day on the job, I learned a ton from
0: her. It was amazing. I'm going to test you and put you on the spot. What are some of the lessons you think you learned?
1: Um, Well, first of all, um, I would say she taught me to uh, stick up for stuff that you really believe in. And she was someone who, while she was a good listener, she was very decisive. And, um, uh, you know, she took a lot of inputs. But she helped, kept her own counsel and then just kind of laid out what it was that um, she wanted the company to achieve. And so, you know, it was really good to have that role model, that combination of a, um, a strong leader, but someone who also takes input and listens and makes other, other people feel heard. Um, and, uh, you know, another thing I learned from her was a funny expression. She used to say, Catherine, there's only so much you can squeeze out of a turnip, which basically means, um, you know, don't, um, don't do something to death. Like just, she had a model for kind of, good enough work, which I really liked.
0: Mm. That, mm. Have you ever repeated that line?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not without feeling like I'm culturally
0: appropriating, but yes, I, I probably have. Yeah, <laughs> keep it in mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you're you've achieved a level of success in your career. You have had many teams working under you. Do you have your own lessons that you're hoping you're passing on to the people studying and working under you? And with Yeah, I mean,
1: um, first of all, it's all about relationships, right? And I'm so happy to say that I'm still in touch with many, many people who have worked with me and for me um, going back decades. And um, in fact, just stayed with with someone last week in London who um, I I hired for her first job out of university. Um, So, you know, what I would hope that people would take away from uh, working together would be like a sense of common purpose really working towards um, a higher goal. Um, In the case of economic development, of course, we are city builders among other city builders. So we're um, working within a network of people who feel this kind of common cause around building Vancouver to become the best city we can be. Um, And and so that quality of collaboration, um, which you know is both something i bring from the outside but kind of exists already within the economic commission and i think it's something that you know really brings teams
0: joy and brings teams together as a female ceo across many different sectors and as an entrepreneur what has your experience been in areas that maybe aren't as diversified as others
1: yeah i mean um I've done a lot of work in um, let's say niche sectors of entertainment. So we'll take eSports as an example, professional video gaming, where I've worked um, you know in that field for about uh, four or five years in a kind of concentrated way. Um, And it it really is like going back in time. Like you feel as a woman in the field that you're walking into like a room in the 1950s. Um, You know, you can occasionally be at entire conferences where, you know, there are three women who appear on stage the entire time. And by the way, they're all worked to death as a result. (laughs) Um, So... Uh you know, I've I feel like uh, you know, in answer to your question, there are some um, let's say, business environments that still need to be uh, more equitable. And um, you know, I very much see myself as part of um transforming them and uh but but I also realize that it it can't just be down to uh, women and female executives to make the change. Like this has to be
0: a societal change. Absolutely. You mentioned too, going back to your educational days, that the network you had and the mentors you had were critical. You mentioned the example of the female CEO that you learned a mm-hmm. lot from. Mm-hmm. What role has mentorship played broadly in your career? Um, well, my grandmother was actually a
1: wonderful mentor for me and a businesswoman. She was one of um, Canada's first female realtors. Um, So maybe now that you know a bit about my grandmother and my mother, it's no surprise (laughs) I've worked both in urban development and in digital media. Um, But but then there have been, you know, a number of people along the way who've helped in very specific domains. So because my background was in physics and then later in journalism, I didn't have originally a strong finance background, even though I'm very good at math. And so the people who've really coached me through at A senior level in order for me to feel confident to run like a publicly traded company in the C-suite have been exceptionally important in my career. And I still think back about, you know, like the first time I learned to read financial statements or the first board I sat on and the mentors that I had along the way. And I hope that's something that um, I'm passing on to other people as I encourage them to Uh, take risks, raise money, join boards, put themselves out there to really surround yourself by, um, you know, kind of an informal board of advisors or board of directors or people who can um, help you in areas where you may not have educational background or innate strengths.
0: To what extent do you feel you had to ask for that mentorship and guidance versus it was offered to you by people who maybe saw that they could contribute something?
1: Um, I guess it's a bit of both. Um, I'm, I'm not someone who's afraid to ask for help, so <laughs> I wouldn't hesitate to do that. I think, um, you know, in some cases, um, people have made assumptions, too, where they've offered help where it's not needed at all, but just maybe because I'm a woman, they think I might not you know, have a particular skill set. So it also goes the other way. But uh, I, I would say that, um, uh, you know, especially on a, on a board, usually you're seated around the table and you've all been chosen because you have specific domain expertise and there isn't a lot of intersection or overlap. So everyone's asking each other for help and support and mentorship. And um, to kind of have that buddy system on a board of directors is really helpful.
0: In your role as CEO of VEC, what are your priorities going to be? You mentioned the commission's priorities, but as CEO, what are you going to be focusing on?
1: Well, um, it's really important to uh, for, for me to kind of get to know uh, the new council, um, to get to understand uh, their priorities so that I can then bring that back to the organization. Of course, I also report to an independent board of directors, industry experts, In business. But my own um, vision for the role is to really kind of bridge that, uh, I would say, uh, the two worlds of foreign direct investment and international capital attraction with the local needs and demands of our business community, our values as Vancouverites, to create this um, prosperous for all community um, where. We're all um, kind of creating an environment, a sustainable place for jobs for the future, um, and for students who want to like have a path for their entire career and stay in Vancouver. So working on that retention, working on the talent, working on the capital to make all of that possible,
0: um, you know, I really see that as part of the uh, affordability equation. When it comes to something like foreign direct investment, looking at what's happened in the real estate sector and a lot of the fear around maybe foreign speculation, do you think there's maybe a, a retelling of a story that needs to happen when it comes to FDI? There,
1: there so is. And, um, you know, the way I, I see foreign direct investment is much more about bringing companies to Vancouver that want to make a lifetime investment in Vancouver that want to create high-paying jobs, that want to uh, create neighborhoods, that want to be part of our, you know, ground-level um, community development, um, not sort of the uh, maybe parachuting in of, of money that's disassociated from who we are as Vancouverites. So um, I think that foreign direct investment is well-understood, Um in uh, economic development circles, but maybe not in um, the general community. And because we have, um, you know, a, an issue around, let's say, real estate and speculation, um, those things are often uh, confused. Those terms for indirect investment um, with speculation are often confused. So, um, you know, for me, it would be important um, in working on any FDI deal that we really communicate what Vancouver is about so that it's a match. You don't have a company landing here and being all surprised that we care about sustainability and equality and reconciliation. That when they come here, they come here because they value those
0: things. How do you have these kinds of really important conversations with many, many, many stakeholders—you probably couldn't even get close to talking to all of them—in a way that's truly Vancouver, in a way that's personal. I mean, how do you how do you manage that and still be true to the work you're trying to do? How do you get the message out?
1: Well, it comes down to uh, obviously not just um, my own—it's uh, <laughs> all <seat> <laughs> at the table—but um, uh, you know the how the team um, communicates that, what we put in our communications materials, um, how we make recommendations to the city of Vancouver, to City Hall, to, um, uh, you know, make sure that kind of end-to-end that messaging has integrity and that we're not the only ones um, putting that messaging out, that it's not kind of a wild card surprise. Like if you spoke to... And then you turned around and spoke to BC Tech, you'd get a totally different message. Ideally, a lot of this messaging would be well aligned. Um, I feel fortunate because I grew up here that when I'm speaking about Vancouver, I really am speaking about my city and a city I know really well. Um, that said, I'm focused on new economic sectors and more like the creative green and tech economy. And I I realized that there is um, also a resource economy and a tourism economy and things that, um, you know, other stories that are being told out there. But I hope that if you're a big company thinking about landing in Vancouver, you'd be getting a cohesive message about who we are.
0: And that building on the topic of that cohesion, of course, there are other economic development boards within the region. A lot of people maybe have heard of Vancouver, maybe not New Westminster or Burnaby. And the entry point is either Vancouver or B.C. How do you work within the province to tell, again, a cohesive story?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, that's so true when you think of um, big cities like London and New York, which, um, you know, have boroughs or, um, you know, municipalities that are integrated. Uh, it's easier for them to tell a story because they've got one city brand. I mean, we have uh, 22 municipalities and, uh, uh, you know, a First Nation treaty group. And so we're we're working with... Um, Different brands, and yet the world sees us as one Vancouver. They don't, um, you know, Boundary Road means nothing to them. So, um, you know, we see that in particular with, um, I'll use film and television as an example. If you come here to shoot something, you want this entire greater Vancouver to be your, um, you know, business ground and your playground, and you want to be able to seamlessly. Work across municipalities. So we work very hard to make that happen um, because, um, you know, as a, as a region, we want to be customer focused as well. Um, and, and I think a lot more can be done when it comes to regional collaboration and regional economic development. Um, and we've seen other cities in Canada go, um, go that route. And as a consequence, it opens doors for new funding. So um, you'll find like amalgamated economic development regions are more likely to get provincial funding and they're more likely to get federal funding.
0: We have a a long history of multiculturalism in the region and the province, but I think when it comes to our title as an international city, there seems to maybe be some growing pains, right? We're on the world stage with Expo 86, with the Winter Olympics in 2010, and the world is now very focused on the opportunities in Vancouver. Is it natural to maybe have sometimes, I don't know if resistance is the right word, but this feeling like, oh, wow, it's really speeding up? We're still this small place, and yet we really aren't in the eyes of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're right because we're um you know
1: also our population is relatively small, so there is that sense of um you know we all kind of know each other. A Vancouver community. is yeah. exactly a community. Um, I think our multiculturalism and our diversity really helps us in that regard, like to to be a global city. Um, you know, we are the most Asian city outside of Asia. We're the most American city outside of America. We're, we're a very um, international population. And so in spite of our maybe uh, parochial history or <laughs> tiny population, um, we are indeed a, a global powerhouse. And we just kind
0: of have to own that now. I have to ask you about eSports because you mentioned it. Are you going to be a Vancouver Titans Fan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I am just a fan of the business of esports. There's a lot of opportunity there. Um, I, I you know I've had the privilege of going to tournaments, but I I tend to more gravitate on the deal making side of esports. And I think um, in the same way that we've built out our film, animation, visual
0: effects, VR, AR sectors, we are now going to build out our esports sector. The some of the statistics around this industry are amazing. I think twice as many people watched, I'm gonna say League of Legends, than the Super Bowl, I think, the other year. Like, that is unbelievable. It, is Vancouver going to be a major esports hub? Wait, we absolutely are without question. I mean,
1: we are um, set up for major esports tournaments, we also have, um, heavy heavy hitters in esports publishing and development right here in our in our city Um, so we have uh, new games coming out all the time we have old franchises like fifa we have um uh you know the uh, wired connectivity and infrastructure that you need to deliver and meet the expectations of both um, businesses in this field and players and consumers of esports. So I think, um, yeah, we're, we're ready. We're ready to <laughs> rock and roll. We're ready to compete in a competitive space.
0: As we leave off, you've learned a lot over your career. What's one or two things you're hoping to learn now in this new role?
1: Um, I'd like to spend more time with economic development peers in other cities. i um, I've, I've had a chance to um, visit with uh, um, leads in New York and in Portland. Um, I would also like to do that in other uh, European cities and Asian cities uh, just to, to see, um, you know, what kinds of models of excellence are out there that maybe our team hasn't tapped yet. Um, there's a lot of knowledge transfer around um core issues of equality and sustainability that I think we can learn from our peers. So um, that would be one area that I'd like to work in. Um, And let's see, if there was another area, it might be to bring together, um, because I know we're celebrating International Women's Day, to to bring together uh, Canadian female leaders in economic development to kind of look at um, the, the growth of cities and the opportunity for cities through a female lens.
0: Catherine, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That's Catherine Warren. She's the CEO of the Vancouver Economic Commission. Thanks for listening to this installment of our Women in Business podcast series brought to you by UBC Sauter School of Business. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and tell us what you thought. You can find me and BIV on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. For all episodes in this series, visit BIV.com slash WIB. More audio content is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at BIV.com audio. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks for joining me.